special you really are to all of us here today. Psalm chapter 30, the psalmist starts in verse 1 by saying, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. You have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, but His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, that's so good. I think I just have to read verse number 5 again. His anger is just for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Now, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor. Somebody say favor. By your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me, O Lord. Be my helper. Look at verse number 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy and gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Father, we thank you for your word today. It is so powerful, Lord, and it is in the process of changing us. It is in the process of turning some things around in our life. I believe today, God, we have stepped into a new season. I believe today, God, we have stepped into a time of turnaround. And I pray, God, that what you have intended your word to accomplish, it would, in fact, be accomplished. And we give you thanks for it. We give you praise for it. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is turnaround time. It's turnaround time. I remember in November, I believe it was, as I was praying for direction for this great church. God, what do you want to say? Holy Spirit, how do you want to lead where are you taking us? And I heard one word whispered in my spirit. One word. The word was restoration. It leaped in me. I didn't even know exactly what God meant by it. I know what restoration means. And I thought I might know what God meant. But sometimes you don't know what God means, right? But I knew he spoke it to me. And I began to just say this to the staff and, and to the pastors. Then I, I declared this to the church. 
It would be a season of restoration. It would be, in fact, a year of restoration. And the more we started talking about restoration, well, it just kind of morphed and it kind of evolved and it kind of grew. And by the time it was all said and done, we were talking about restoration and turnaround and overflow. And all through January, we saw restoration. It seemed every week by email or text or, or a Facebook message or, or a phone call, I was getting testimony of people saying, Pastor, it's happening. My family's being restored. My finances are being restored. Relationships are being restored. On every hand, restoration was happening. All through January, restoration. All through February, restoration. Today, I want to launch a new series. It's called... It's turnaround time. Come on and look at your neighbor and just tell them it's turnaround time. Come on, tell somebody else it's turnaround time. Yes, 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 it's turnaround time. Hallelujah. You need a turnaround. You need a change. There's some people you need a turnaround in your marriage. You need a turnaround in your home. You need a turnaround with your children. You need turnaround in your finances. It's turnaround time in your ministry, and it is turnaround time right here at La Palma Christian Center. Turnaround time. But folks, in order for these areas to have a turnaround, I believe there's one crucial first step. It is turning our attitudes around. Why don't you get out a piece of paper and get a pen? You're going to want to take some notes today. The title of the message today is Turning Our Attitudes Around. This is under the series of It's Turnaround Time. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about turnaround. And we're going to see this turning, shifting, changing, turning our attitudes around. If you don't mind, bring up verse number 11 for us one more time. Look at this. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. Now you need to understand that in the, in the day that this, this passage was written, it was very clear when someone was mourning. You knew when somebody had lost a loved one, for instance, just by the way they were dressed. They actually dressed for mourning. There were mourning clothes that they would put on. Good to see you, my friend. How's Nissan doing? You still there? Come on now. Good to see you today. Glad you're here. You could know when somebody had lost a loved one. Folks, you know, we, we, just, we just buried Dora not very long ago. We lost a, a loved one, someone very dear to us. It would have been clear had, had you lost her when this was written because you would have been dressed in sackcloth and you would have had ashes all over your body. Johnny, same thing with you and your family. It would have been clear. Nobody would have had to guess who's the family here, right? Because at a glance, everyone knew because they dressed for mourning. This scripture says, You've turned my mourning into dancing. I can't dance very well, but I don't really care because I'm not dancing for you. 
I'm dancing for the Lord. I'm dancing for the King. You don't know all that He's done for me. You don't know the place I used to live and where I live now. You don't know all that God has shifted in my life. You don't know all the things that God has turned around for me. So pardon me, but I'm going to dance before Him. He turned something for me. He turned my sorrow into gladness and into joy. Hallelujah. But what jumped out at me was not the gladness and joy. We love to get to that part. The thing that stood out to me, Joe, was the mourning. Because maybe the reason you're not seeing a turnaround in your marriage is because of your attitude. Some people live in the land of mourning. They never leave. They never leave the land of mourning, the place of discouragement, the place of hurt and wound. And let's face it, who hasn't been hurt? Who hasn't been wounded? You're not intended, folks, to unpack all your belongings and live in the land of mourning. It's simply a detour in the road that God has for you. It's just a pit stop. It might, listen to this, it might even be part of God's strategic plan for your life. You ever think about that? It'd be great to think that we won't have any sorrow, we won't have any mourning once we come to Christ. I've not found that to be true. I don't find it in the Bible. He didn't say that we would be free from tribulation. He, in fact, warned us, in this world you will have tribulation. You'll have trial. But he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. In this world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And he also said, I won't leave you and I won't forsake you and I'll be with you always, even to the very end. Right? It's important not to get stuck in the land of mourning. Some live there. They never seem to get past the hurt. They think about it all the time until they are absolutely stuck. They were betrayed. They were misled. They were lied to. They were disappointed. They were hurt. They were manipulated. They were deceived. They had to file bankruptcy. The marriage failed. They repossessed the home. They repossessed the car. They fired me. They laid me off. My husband died. My wife died. My mother died. My father died. My baby died. Folks, these are all legitimate reasons for sorrow. They're all legitimate reasons for someone to find mourning and to be in a place of mourning. And I do not minimize that for a moment. But you can't live there. You can't live there. It's very, very important that you actually stop here, though. Some people, they don't ever even want to go to the land of mourning. Men especially have this problem. Because, let's face it, we're supposed to be rough and tough and burly and we don't cry. Right, men? I have a Real good theological word for that right there is baloney. <laughs> Men, God gave you tear ducts just the same as he gave your wife. 
God gave male tear ducts just the same as he gave female. And I think at the appropriate time and for appropriate reasons, we should be crying and we need to let our spouses see us cry. We need to let our children see us cry. We need to let the people in the church that we worship see us cry. That's just good preaching right there. Sometimes, though, it, we, we suppress things. And so we try to sidestep this important uh, phase in, in the morning process, right? You've got to stop at morning. You've got to, you've got to go there, but you can't live there. I mean, when you're hurt, when you're dis mistreated and, and, and disappointed, you've got to mourn, you've got to grieve. But don't live there. Refuse to let your past ruin your future, church. Make up your mind today that things, in fact, are turning around. Starting with your attitude. You want your marriage turned around? You want your home turned around? You want your finances turned around? You've got to get out of the victim mentality. And you've got to start thinking about your future. Change your attitude. Don't stay in the land of mourning, in that land of discouragement. Let me give you three steps in turning your attitude around. First of all, reflect. Reflect on what God has done. You can't italicize like I did there, so why don't you just underline that. Reflect on what God has done. Come on, has God been good to anybody in the room here today? Has God been faithful to anybody here today? Has God provided for you in the past? You see, what God has done for you, it is for you. And it can never be changed. It is secure. It is solid. Nobody can ever take that away. And nobody can ever minimize what God has done for you. God has been good to you. Don't ever forget it. Remember it often. God has healed you, first of all. How many would say God has healed me? Look at verse number two. The psalmist said, Oh Lord my God, I cried. There's past tense, right? He's reflecting right here. I cried. In the past, I've been hurt. In the past, I've been confused. In the past, I was in mourning. I cried out to you. And look what it says. You healed. There's past tense again. You healed me. I'll never forget, and I'll never stop testifying of this. Those of you who've heard it, You'll have to humor me. But I made a vow to God that as long as he gave me breath, as long as I'm here on earth, I will, at the appropriate times, give testimony as to what he has done for me. I don't remember the exact age, Richard, but I was, I was young, maybe 10, 11. And I started having trouble sleeping at night, and I didn't know exactly what it was. And I would be, I would be awakened, but yet I felt something, uh, it was like, hands that you couldn't see were holding me. And it grew from just a jolt and I couldn't move to actually moving and convulsing. And I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And from the time I was about 10, let's say, to 
1819, somewhere around there, this epilepsy just started taking over my life, controlling my life, really. And fear, that was the worst part, the fear that came along with the epilepsy. See, I'd seen it do its thing with my mother. My mother had epilepsy. And the longer she had this disease, the worse it got. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody have an epileptic seizure, but it's no fun, let me tell you something. Hers grew to be at the Grand Mall, is what they call it, the worst possible. She would just lose total control of her body, total control of her bowels. It was, it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. And ultimately, it was this disease of epilepsy that threw her into such a grand mall seizure that she had a stroke, and at 39, my mother was gone. I knew what it could do. She started having seizures after her fourth child. I started when I was 10. I wasn't very old, but I could do the math, and I thought, I'm a goner by the time I'm 20. I won't live to be 20. If it takes the same path that it took with my mother. But after I surrendered to Christ and gave Him my life, I began to believe that anything could happen. I began to believe as I read the Word that this is true. And that there wasn't anything that was too big for Jesus to do for me. And I just started praying, and I started praying, and praying, and praying, and believing, and, and standing on scriptures, and reading scriptures, and every time they'd call for healing, just as I called a moment ago, I would find my way to the front. I wanted somebody to pray over me. They would anoint me with oil, and they would pray, and I kept having these seizures. But in God's time, in God's perfect plan, he completed the work that he started in me, folks. And he totally took this disease out of my life. I have no seizures anymore. I do not have epilepsy anymore. I don't have to take any medication to help me sleep through the night. I'm, I'm completely healed by that. Completely healed by that. He healed my, my back. I had two ruptured discs for a number of years, 20 years. I suffered with two ruptured discs in my back, and, and it was right here in this room that God healed me of that. And today, totally and completely pain-free and whole from that. See, we need to start remembering. We need to start reflecting. Because God's done a whole lot of things for you. God has healed you. How many would say, Pastor, God has healed me? good way for your attitude to get turned around is go back to that. Keep going back to that. Because if God has done it before, don't you think he could do it again? I think he can. And I think he's in the process of doing it right now. Reflect on what God has done. He's healed your body. He's kept you alive. You're alive today. Come on. Just check your pulse, right? Check your pulse. You know what? You've got oxygen. You've got breath in your lungs. Come on, somebody just, just do like this with your hands. You've got mobility in your fingers. Hallelujah. 
Look at this verse. I love this. Verse 3, oh Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. I want to say to you today that if the enemy had his way, many of you would not even be alive today. But God, God has kept you alive. God has brought you up out of the grave because he still has a plan. He still has a purpose for you. If there is breath in your lungs, that means God is not done with you. There's still destiny for you. There's still purpose for you. Hallelujah. Keep that in mind as you're struggling with where you are now. God has kept you alive. And he has a plan. When the children of Israel were complaining in the wilderness, Moses encouraged them, reflect, look back, look at what the Lord has done. He delivered them from slavery out of Pharaoh's hand with multi multiple miracles right there. He parted the Red Sea for them, another miracle right there. He rescued them from the hand of the enemy. He destroyed the enemy with the same water that he parted for his people. He led them by a pillar of cloud by, by day and a pillar of fire by night. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't wear out. He provided manna when they were hungry. He provided quail when they were hungry. He provided water. He said, don't you remember this? Think back. Reflect. And it gave them the energy and the strength and the courage that they needed to face another day. The first step in turning your attitude around is just looking back and reflecting. God has done great, great things for you. Don't forget it. Number two, realize what God is doing now. God is doing something. Oh, I know you don't always see it. I don't always see it. We don't always understand it. We don't always comprehend it. God is working right now on, uh, in areas and on levels that we don't know, we don't see. God is working in your family right now. He's working with your children right now in areas that you don't even understand. You can't even comprehend. Realize that. God is God, after all. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who, who created all that is, but yet knows us by name. And bids us to come to him and call to him. And he promised he would answer us. When you're praying, know that he's answering you and just realize that he is working out a plan. He is working out a plan. Write this down under, under this point number two. First of all, it takes time. We are an impatient society. We are an impatient people. And we want what we want right now, if not sooner. We pray this morning and we, we'll give God till sundown to get it done. Right? We want it now. We want it yesterday. Certainly by the end of the week. Some things just take time. See, God's plan is so perfect for me, I don't want Him to rush it. God's plan is so perfect for you, you shouldn't want Him to rush it. You should want God to take all the time that is necessary. Because when it's unfolded, it's a perfect plan. It's a wonderful plan. It just takes time. Some ships take a long time to turn around. Do you know that? Amy Grant on 
an album several, several albums ago. She had a song that she sung. It was called, It Takes a Little Time. And there's a line in it. It says, it takes a little time sometimes to get the Titanic turned back around. Ever feel like your life is the Titanic? It's destined for failure? You're on a sinking ship? You need to realize something today. God is turning things around. It's turnaround time, and the first thing that he's turning around is your attitude. He's getting you out of the land of mourning, and it just takes a little bit of time. God doesn't rush anything. I don't know that I've ever said to God, Wow, God, you did that so fast, I wish you'd have slowed down. But there are plenty of times that I say, God, would you hurry up? I've been praying for this for so long. I wish you'd answer it. I wish you'd complete the answer to it. Because I'm impatient. And I want it my way, and I want it right now. Realize something. God is at work. He has a plan. He's unfolding it. It takes time. Number two under here, don't quit. Come on, encourage somebody close to you. Just tell them, don't quit. Come on, don't quit. Don't quit. Verse number five, I love this. His anger is just a moment. But his favor, somebody say favor. His favor is for a lifetime. Anybody ready for God's favor to be delivered to you today? Anybody ready to walk in God's favor, talk in God's favor, operate in God's favor? Don't you dare quit. Don't quit before you realize God's about to grant you His favor. Don't quit because the sunrise may be bringing the joy that you need. You might just be one dawning away from your turnaround. You might just be one sunrise away from the joy coming. Don't throw in the towel. Don't you dare quit. God's working out a plan. Realize that today. And also, do your part. See, verse number 10 says, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Too many want to stop the prayer right there. They just want to pray for God's mercy. They just want to pray for God to do His thing. They want to pray for God to help, or, or just for God to do it. They don't want God's help. They want Him to do it all. See, he says, the psalmist says, be my helper. What a great prayer. Because the Lord is your helper. Anybody know what a helper does? I know. Durr, right? Duh. But honestly, a helper comes alongside and he helps. I think we, we want God to do everything. God, I can't do this. God, I'm stuck. God, I'm trapped. God, I'm... Do it all, God. And God is ready and willing and able to give all that he has, all the strength that he has, all the kindness that he has, all the grace that he has, all the mercy that he has, all, all the anointing that he has, all the power and all the might that he has. He stands ready to give all that he has to us, but he's waiting for you. He's waiting for me to step out and do our part. He's just not going to do it all. He doesn't operate that way. I love what Max Lucado said in one of his books several books ago. He said, if there were a thousand steps between us and God, 
he'd take all but one. Somebody needs to step out today. You might be afraid. You might be fearful. You might be not knowing what's going to happen when you take that step. But I'm just telling you right now, God is ready to help you. God is your helper. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. God stands ready to help you in any and every way. He will steady you. He will direct you. He will guide you. But you have got to do your part. How many are ready to do your part? How many are willing to do your part? Come on. We've got to do our part. Helpers help. They don't do it all. How do you do your part? You stay faithful. Your part is being faithful. Faithful in calling out on God. That's called prayer. See, we get discouraged, Mike. We get frustrated. We get hurt. It hurts when someone that we love dies. Let's face it. So then we pull back. Instead of leaning into God and, and, and running to God, then we say, well, God did that, and I'm mad at him. I did, I, that's exactly what happened to me. When my mom died, I said to myself, if that's the kind of God you are, I don't really want you in my life. I was in ninth grade, and I said that. And I chose to turn my back on him. Nobody coerced me, nobody forced me, I made a decision. I was hurt. How could God do that to me? Right? We tend to pull away from Him, but we have got to stay faithful. If you want to turn around in your marriage and to turn around with your children, turning things around in your finances, all these areas, it's got to start here, it's got to start here, it's got to start in our attitudes. And the way that that can start is just being faithful. Faithful in prayer. God, you know that I'm angry right now. You know I'm confused right now. You know I'm hurt right now. But I'm talking to you. I'm going to you. I'm running to you. You can talk to some other people too. They may sympathize with you. But they're not ultimately going to be the one that helps you. Stay faithful in prayer. How about stay faithful in the reading of the Word? This cannot be secondary. This can't fall down the priority ladder. Stay faithful in the reading of the Word. Young people, edge youth, you've got to stay faithful in the Word. It's the only way things are going to change in your life. It's the only way you can, can be the influence that God is calling you to be. You don't have to read the whole Bible every morning. You don't even have to read an entire book every day. See, don't, don't set goals that are unreachable. And this is really for everybody right now. Sometimes I think we stay out of the Word because we have these goals in our head, CC, that aren't really uh, realistic. If you're not used to reading the Word every day, start right here. Tomorrow morning, open your Bible and read one verse. Who can't do that? I mean, really. That is a goal that everybody in this room could do. You could actually accomplish it. And I promise you, read one verse, close your Bible, and you get on with your day. And don't feel guilty about reading one verse. Do that for seven days even. Just open your Bible, read another verse. Close your Bible, and get on with your day. Week two, how about read three verses? See, I, I want to teach somebody how to consistently get the Bible, open the Bible, read the Bible, and set, set up a pattern. It'll be, it'll be no time before you're reading several chapters. 
That's between you and God. I simply want you to get into the habit of finding your Bible, opening your Bible, reading your Bible. I don't care if it's one verse. You are setting a discipline. You are starting a habit. And God will honor that. And God will build on that. Stay faithful. This is critical in turning your attitude around. Faithful in prayer. Faithful in the Word. Faithful in church attendance. Faithful in the ministry that God has given you. Number three. Remember to thank God for all that He has done. Thanksgiving is crucial in your attitude being turned around. Verse number 12, To that end, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Brothers and sisters, refuse to keep your mouth closed. Refuse to remain silent. A heart of thanksgiving and a spirit of gratitude, even in the midst of trouble, or possibly especially, let's say it like this, not even if, especially in the midst of trouble. There's where it really counts. Who can't say thank God for a raise? Who can't say thank God for a promotion? I know ungodly people will say praise the Lord for that and they don't even really know God. But show me a brother or sister, show me a child of God that when the, when the tough really gets going, they know how to thank. They know how to praise. It's become a lifestyle for them. Remember to thank God for all that he has done. Open up your mouth and sing. Open up your mouth and shout. Open up your mouth and praise. Open up your mouth and worship. Open up your mouth and bless. Let that flow out of you. And there are three ways that we can thank God. Three areas are focuses, really, in praise and in thanks. It's past, present, and future. Thank God for your past victories. I shared two significant ones for me, but the list is so long that we'd be here all day just me sharing past victories, past blessings, past provision from God. Just because it's in the past doesn't mean we shouldn't start thanking, uh, stop thanking God for it. God may use a past victory that you're giving praise and you're giving thanks and use it for today. Thank God, just as the psalmist said, I cried to you, and you heard me, and you healed me. He reflected back, and he thanked God today. Thank God for the past victories, healing your body, keeping you from death, providing for your needs, blessing you abundantly. Also, thank God for the present plan that he's working on. Even though you can't see it, thank him that it's there and that he's working out this plan, and he's working all things together for your good. The plan that God is about to unfold is so wonderful, it's so perfect. You don't see it, but thank him for it anyway. And I think we should also thank God for the future victories that are ahead. Things that God is about to do, things that God is going to do that we don't even need him to do right now. <laughs> I mean, God's about to do something next week for you, Janet, that you don't even know about right now. You ought to thank Him in advance. 
Thank God in advance for leading you in, in His favor. Thank God for putting people in your life. Thank God for providing for you abundantly. Thank Him for future victories. Thank Him for the favor that you're about to step into today. Thank Him for the joy that awaits you on the next rising of the sun. Thank Him for the breakthrough just over the horizon. Thank Him for the turnaround just around the bend. Are you ready for turnaround? Because I'm telling you, I believe that this is more than just a, a, a motivational phrase trying to get you pumped up. I believe truly it is turnaround time. And I believe the turnaround's coming. I believe the turnaround is coming. I see a, I see a great, almost tornado-like. Uh, I see God's hand just turning. And as he turns our attitudes around, folks, it will initiate turnaround in all these other areas of our life. It's like the switch that needs to happen. And when this starts turning, there's another, there's another wheel that's going to start turning over here. It will, it will activate another wheel of, of turnaround over here, which will activate another wheel of turnaround over here. You see all this? But here's where it's got to start. Our attitude. I want you to bow your heads today. I understand that there are some, today you're hurt. You may be mourning. You may have experienced loss. And if the loss is current and the event has happened recently, then perhaps it's not quite time for you to be out of this area of grieving and mourning. I understand that. But I want to talk to some who maybe the event happened a long time ago, but yet you can't seem to get past this. You feel a bit stuck. You were mistreated. You were lied to. You were disappointed. You were passed over. You lost someone that you loved dearly. And somehow, some way, you, you stayed in that land of discouragement. With heads bowed, if that's you, I simply want you to stand right where you are. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm believing that today that turnaround will come. And that balm will come, that ointment will come, that salve will come. The turnaround in your attitude. The sackcloth, I believe, is coming off today. You're no longer at the funeral home. You're no longer at the, at the bank with the bankruptcy. God wants to wash the ash of mourning off of you. I believe there's more that should be standing today. I want you to get your turnaround. Let that start. The, the, right, the right part of turnaround needs to be in your attitude. It's, this is the...
crucial first step in other things turning around, your business turning around, your home turning around, your finances turning around. Yes, Lord. Let me wait just about 10 more seconds. Anybody else, just stand right now and let me pray over you. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, you know better than anyone here the level and measure of loss that is represented in these dear brothers and sisters who have stood. And God, for some it has been months ago, and sadly for some it's been years ago. But yet, we seem to be stuck, not getting past the hurt, not getting past the discouragement, not, not able to leave this land of mourning. But today, God, we recognize that you have a plan that you're working on. And new hope is rising. Faith is building. We understand now clearly that you are in the process of something. You're turning our attitudes around. Lord, I pray for every brother and sister standing right now. If you're standing, just lift your hands right now. I pray for them, God, that as they cup their hands to you, that you would pour into them what is necessary, what is needed. Take away the sorrow, Lord, and replace that with gladness and joy. Strip off the sackcloth clothing and clothe them today, God, with your righteousness. Exchange, Lord, the, the mourning for dancing. Put a song in their hearts and in their spirits. Put a spring in their step, God, and lead them, Lord, into the future that you have for them. I pray for all discouragement to be broken and lifted off of you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, God, for that joy and that oil of gladness. Pour it into them, God. And let today be the final day that they revisit this. They may go back and thank you for, for leading them out of this, but they will no longer be trapped here, God. Today will be the day that you absolutely take them from this place. Now I want everybody to stand because I don't know of one person that couldn't take a little attitude adjustment today. Come on. I want everybody to lift up your hands and say, God, adjust my attitude today. I need an attitude adjustment. There's nobody that just always has the right attitude all the time. Come on, let's ask God to turn our attitudes around, to give us the right heart, to give us the right mentality, the right way of thinking that we would come in line and come in agreement with what God is saying. Come on, somebody, ask God, turn my attitude around, Lord. Yes, I'm wanting a turnaround in my home. Yes, I'm wanting a turnaround in, in, in my marriage. Yes, I'm wanting a turnaround, Lord, in the workplace, God, whatever it might be for you. But let it start right here, God, with a turnaround in my heart, a turnaround in my mind, a turnaround in my thinking, a turnaround in my attitude, God. Hallelujah. We give you thanks and praise for it. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. Hey!
Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. It's turnaround time. It's turnaround time. It's turnaround time. Wow. Those of you who stood a moment ago for specific prayer in this area, I felt very impressed. You need to write this date down. You need to write down the date. What is today? 31311. Isn't that right? You need to write this down somewhere because you'll go back to this and you'll see this is where God shut something, shut a door to your past. I feel that so strongly. You need to write this date down so you can revisit that and you'll reflect on, on God, on what He did on this day to get you past your past. Wow. Good stuff, good stuff. Anybody know what's going on tonight? Extreme Home Makeover? Hey, listen everybody, we got a great night planned, we really do. If you're a voting member, I urge you to come. We want you here. We need you here. There's God's business that will be conducted tonight. And your voice matters. Your opinion matters. Your concerns matter. I want you here. Please don't blow this off. This is, this is of utmost importance. And I want you here. I need you here. I'm looking for you to be here. And those who are not voting members, you're simply regular attenders, I want you here as well. You're welcome to come and know what's going on. With, uh, with La Palma Christian Center, and we're going to celebrate, first of all, I'm calling it our annual celebration, first of all, and, our, and we'll also, by the way, conduct some business, you know. But it's a, a celebration of what God has done and what He's doing right now. And it's good, good, good things. So we're going to start the annual celebration part at 5 o'clock. We're going to be eating some really good food. The church is providing the meat and the drinks we're asking you to bring a side dish, and there's a sign-up at the, at the uh, hospitality area, uh, depending on your last name, and if it's A through, what is it? A through L, you bring something. <laughs> side dish, all right. And the last half of the alphabet, you bring a dessert, so I want you to come and be a part of that. Now listen, folks, we're doing something a little different tonight, so I need you, if you're bringing a dish, I want you to bring it between 4.30 and 4.45, if you don't mind, and you just drop it off to one of our ushers, and they will take it to our ladies. I have a group of ladies. They've got a really good game plan, and so they're asking that everybody stay out of the rooms that they are preparing, which will be the friendship room and the chapel, so that it can all be done uh, efficiently and quickly, and we won't be tripping over each other. So you bring in your dish, you drop it off, they'll get it all set up, and all we have to do is eat it. That sounds like a pretty good plan to me, actually. And also, to expedite our business meeting, which starts at 6 o'clock. If you can't come to eat but would like to be a part of our business meeting, that starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, to expedite that, we're not taking roll in this room. We're doing a sign-in, so all voting members will need to sign in. So between 4.30 and 5, before dinner, that'd be a great time for you to sign in. We're going to have a table set up out by the fountain. And uh, you can sign in there with a, a few of our, our elders will be there to help you with that. So uh, come and let's have a really, really great night tonight celebrating what God has done, what He's doing right now, and what He's going to do in our future. Does that sound good to everybody? Good. All right. I need some help in setting up uh, the, the two rooms. If I could just have about a dozen men and ladies 
great just to set up some tables and chairs and make sure that everything gets done. We can probably have that done in about 15 minutes. Until then, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Have a great day, and we'll see you tonight.